I'm Josh Barrow. And I'm Lynette Lopez. And this is Hard Pass. We're here with Felix Salmon um, of Fusion or wherever he decided to write today. Is Was there some kind of delusion in the UK about who about what the UK was and its importance. Because if you're a child and you're throwing a tantrum, you can really only throw a tantrum in front of somebody who gives a shit. So did the UK understand its relationship with the EU, how important it was, how valuable people thought it was, and its own identity and importance to the entire project? There are two things which matter here. One is the EU, the European Union, which is what Britain just voted to leave, which is basically a political union of countries. The other one is the EEA, the European Economic Area, which is the single market. It is conceivably possible, and in fact a lot of people in on the leave side of the campaign in Britain wanted Britain to stay in the EEA and to stay in the single market while leaving the EU. You stay in the big zone while leaving the little zone. Um, this is a, like Norway's already in that situation. This is, there are two countries in that situation right now, Norway and Switzerland. And they're saying, this is the, you know, we can join Norway and Switzerland, except for the, the one thing that Norway and Switzerland need to do to be in the single market is accept freedom of movement. And that freedom of movement is exactly what Britain voted against. And y'all are racist. <laughs> So that's a problem. Well, there's there's racism, but then there's also something where, like, a country is in some sense a cost-sharing club. You have a large budget, and you levy taxes to fund it, and you pay for social services, and it's inherently somewhat redistributive. People who have low incomes get more in services, and they pay in taxes, and vice versa. And when you change the terms of who's in the club, and you admit countries that are poorer than you and start engaging in fiscal exchanges with them— then that's changing the terms for the individuals within your country. And then also when you open up freedom of movement for labor, then you're forcing medium to low-skilled people in France to compete for jobs with medium to low-skilled people from Romania who are used to a lower standard of living, willing to accept a lower wage. And so don't a lot lot of those people sort of reasonably look at that and say, this expansion of the club is not a good deal for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not just the UK. If there was a referendum in France tomorrow, it would probably go the same way so then how do you fix it <laughs> felix how do you fix well, Brexit? No, the, the way the way you i mean the way you fix the european union as i say is that number one you have a brexit vote which votes to remain but it is very close and is a wake-up call and number two you get the technocrats in brussels realizing that this is a big problem not only in the uk but in places like france as well and that the European project needs to really reorient itself much more towards like the bottom 50% in rich countries like France and the UK, and much less towards the top 5% who have done very well out of it. And are wearing fuchsia pants and sitting in the recording studio right now. With exactly. Us. I mean, to, to put that in perspective, the, the poorest country in the EU is Bulgaria, right? It's, it, I, I think so, yeah. It's a GDP per capita of like $8,000 or something compared to about $46,000 in Germany. So that's like, you know, a six times difference in how wealthy the country is, which is, you know, if you, if you compare Mississippi to Connecticut, you're looking at something like a two times difference. So it's really, it's a much bigger wealth gap than exists across the United States. Plus, they don't speak the same language. So it's, it's... It's a little bit more similar to, say, Puerto Rico, but yeah. Well, the Puerto Rico relationship isn't working so great right now. <laughs> you know, every, every year... 
taxpayers in Connecticut send something like 5% of Connecticut's GDP away in taxes in excess of what they receive back in services from the federal government. You don't see mass revolt about that in Connecticut, I think partly because this is just the way it's always been, but it's also a sense of, you know, we're all Americans and we're in this together and that's the way things work. And I, I don't and think... And because you are one nation. The, the European project um, was an economic project with political motivations. And the real heavy lifting behind the the you know EEC and the EU was done by very noble statesmen basically who had vivid memories of the second world war and said we will do everything in our power to make sure that never again will we have a bloody war between nations on this continent so the question is is the EU supposed to make Europe rich or is the EU supposed to make Europe safe? And if people were sold the idea that this is going to make us rich and what is actually supposed to do is make them safe, which it's doing, no wonder they feel violated. The idea was that you would have peace through prosperity. And we got the peace. And at least until the euro crisis, we pretty much got the prosperity as well. But the, the weird thing there is that the there's no obvious correlation, at least not obvious to me, between which countries have been most fucked by the EU and which countries have the greatest popular discontent about the EU. Britain, this is the crazy thing, was probably the single best, greatest beneficiary of the EU, economically speaking. We did great. We didn't have the euro crisis because we didn't have the euro. We got to devalue and we were massive winners from the single market. And yet, even then, we voted out. Yeah, my my big question is how do you save face? You know, how can you get through this without the the British people fighting at least inside of their minds with the EU for something that they want, something that they want out of this deal to soften it up. Basically everyone wants to stay in the single market and leave the EU and be able to have control over our own borders. Now, if you're a technocrat that, in Europe, that is not possible. But not but po- I think completely not completely possible. Completely not possible. Absolutely delusional. There's no way that's going to happen. This is one of the things that I find weird about the U.S. negotiations around the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is that in, in most cases where we don't have free trade, trade is still often pretty free. Tariffs are low. You have significant trade between countries that do not have a free trade agreement. So it it seems plausible that the UK could end up with some sort of trading relationship with the EU that allows for pretty, you know, pretty good market access without actually being part of the single market. Britain is an economy of services, not of goods. You're right if you think of Britain as a country of widget manufacturers, but it's not. We're a country of we, we export services, not goods. And Trying to do that without trade agreements is really hard. Well, it depends on how everything shakes out. I mean, what he's talking about is the banking industry. And if you decide to move your headquarters to Frankfurt, who gives a shit? You know, and this, these are discussions that are actually happening on that, Wall that, Street. To a certain degree, it's a zero-sum game. You know, to a certain degree, if industry moves out of the UK and into Germany, that's better for Germany than if there's just a free trade agreement between the two countries. I, d- I disagree with that. I th- it's not a zero-sum game. If, if, if it becomes much harder for Germans to buy UK financial services and it becomes much harder for UK people to buy German cars, that makes both the UK and Germany poorer. But that's also what gives Germany and other countries on the continent an 
incentive to do something other than just try to punish Britain for having made this decision. Remember, Remember always are... that this is a political union, and they have very strong political reasons why they want to punish the UK. The entire tail risk of the market right now is the idea that more countries can leave. And the idea that more countries can leave frightens Wall Street to the point where they're talking about these are private companies. So if you're a company and you're looking at this landscape right now and you're trying to make a, di- a business decision, this is, wh- where would you go? What you would, would you not do? go to the UK. You that's would not go to the UK. Sure. That's for damn sure. And you would probably go to Germany because Germany is a country that's holding all this together and they're probably going to stay exactly in the spot that they are right now. Yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of highly educated workers in the UK that can be employed to do something. If there's, you know, yeah, if there's capital flight Germany. out of the UK, that's they, an they opportunity can, They in can the move UK. to Dublin, yeah. yeah. Which they probably will. I mean, I absolutely anticipate that a very large number of skilled English and Scottish people are going to start moving to Frankfurt and Paris and Dublin because that's where the future is. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Felix, I love you. I'll see you soon. Hard Pass is produced by Ben Riskin. Our cover art is by John Fulton, and the music you are hearing is by Aaron Leader. 